We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services hey trent hi parth been a while You're it's been well. a while and not only a while for us but a while for the listeners we skipped a week we skipped a week and i didn't even give any notice on i instagram. was gonna say i i i haven't been as active on the instagram but i went and looked to see if you gave a post and there was nothing so i was like maybe he did a story but i don't know no i, I, I know I, I just we're, got busy we're, we're just ships passing in the night but we're back like The Incredibles 2. In all this time, you must have eaten so many things, but I guess I'm just wondering what you've eaten most recently. Yeah, that's sort of what we do here. Um, I was just telling you sort of a story affiliated with the meal, but now for the people at home, um, we were talking about my employment at Rooftop Cinema Club, um, which several of our other contemporaries work at as well, and we were talking about how we have to take the train home late, and uh, I got home at 3 a.m., and Tata's was closed, which is uh, close pizza, so I had to lower my standards and go to either Are You Hungry or El Jefe's, and uh, I chose El Jefe's. And, but the good thing about them is they don't add money. Like, nothing is extra as you go down the line. So it's like, the, it's like 10 50 for a bowl, and then everything you see... Is, is open to you with, at no additional charge. And that's like their motto and like their thing. That sounds pretty awesome. And so I piled the bowl very high, like while, you know, very tired and hungry. Um, but what I'm wondering, pardon the burp, it was, uh, you know, leftover from me eating the burrito bowl cold, you know, for lunch before my nap. You're going to take a nap after the recording. But what 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 have you had last? Um, well, Trent, I was at front of the show, Sophia Alexis's college home, um, earlier today, which you passed by, um, t- today you're having a basement show and had to get speakers, um, from someplace in Ewing, which yes. is where Sophia's we drove, college home We is. drove right past your house where ship's passing you in the night. You were seven minutes away from us. Um, yeah, so close yet so far. Yeah. But, um, after coming back, I, I went to did some shopping <gasps> and yeah. It's not Mother's oh, Day! wait, ha- happy Mother's Day, everybody. If anyone listening is a mom and you're listening on the, our first day of release, first of all, thank you for doing that on Mother's Day. And second of all, I would be shocked if like that yeah. was even the case for like a single person. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, if you're a nor if you're a regular person, not a mom, and but you have a mom, holla at him. Tell him Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, holla at him. Um, but anyways, I came back and it was like two p.m. and I was really um, tired, hungry, and I had leftover Trader Joe's gnocchi. Mmm, the sweet potato um, have gnocchi. You had it? gnocchi? Yeah. Oh, I yeah that yes, I used to make that. With uh, some frozen, uh, like, arted, or no, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, Brussels sprouts, which you think are gross as a kid, but Brussels sprouts are actually good if you put, cook them up with some olive oil. Yeah, uh, but yes, I, I'm familiar with the sweet potato gnocchi from Trader Joe's. Very good. 
Thank you. And I had that, and then our recording got pushed back a little bit. Because um, I was sleepy, sleepy. You was, woke up from I, a nappy and, and then I had to tw- finish I, the movie. Yeah, 20 minutes. I slept through like the second act of the film, but I'm very fresh on the act one and act three. Um, but during that break, I had an ice cream bar. Mm. Or like a ice cream sandwich, I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I've had. Cool. And what the audience is having is, is a, a really cool, cool intro. segue into... Yeah. Like that? Yeah, something like that. Why don't we cue the intro? Oh, I thought you had cued it already. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies each week. We talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, uh, we are wrapping up an incredible month. Mm. Parth, didn't we interview someone for three over three parts over three weeks? I, I feel Was like it? we must have, but I kind of can't remember. Trent, do you recall? I do. Uh, I, I, my superpower is super memory. And uh, I remember interviewing a one Mark Andrews, head of story on The Incredibles, and as you said, Brad Bird's right-hand man. Uh, Those aren't your words, those are the internet's words. Um, But he was a super cool, super animated, pun intended guy, and Mm. gave us really fun answers to 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 our questions. Yes, um, thank you so much, Mark Andrews. You were a cool guy. and yeah. a big fish for a medium-sized podcast. Like yes, that. our second Oscar winner. Um, oh, yeah, oh, wow, I forgot to even bring that up because of how stimulating conversationally he was. Uh, His Oscar took a backseat. Yes, but we do have a photo of it on our Instagram. Yes, yeah, so we are we are material girls at the end of the day, and so when he said that the Oscar was in the same room, we, we couldn't resist. Um, but anyways, today is not an interview, is it, Trent? No, you had your chance. You could stop now and go listen to parts one through three, or strap on your freaking seatbelt, because Parth and I are going to discuss the film of the week this week. Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to have an Incredibles discussion. It's giving Incredibles discussion. (laughs) No, it is giving Incredibles discussion. What are we discussing the Incredibles on the Quash Services podcast? Wow. <laughs> okay. Um. So whose time is it to say the 10-word synopsis? Is it yours or mine? I feel like I haven't done it in what feels like an eternity. So sure. I, I feel like Go it has ahead. to be me. <sighs> Superheroes band par family must defeat syndrome Maybe this is a seven-word synopsis. No, no, I I want like a little like PS bonus like, mm. and they learned this along the way. Um, they defeated syndrome, um, and uh, and, and become and, closer. All right, I, I was gonna say and make comeback, mm. but I but I like and become closer. But the thank you for bailing me out there at the end. No problema. The real synopsis, however, is while trying to lead a quiet suburban life, a family of undercover superheroes are forced into action to save the world. 
Trent, oh, I should have said me that. The budget and box office. The budget is ninety-two million dollars, which seems like a low number. Uh, I mean, I, those are two thousand four numbers, but um, and then the box office is six hundred thirty-one point six million dollars. Do you think they made their money back? It seems like they did rather well for themselves. I wonder how this compares in the box office rankings of all the Pixar movies. I'm sure it's not that the, high up. This but. was no, because I remember that Finding Nemo made almost a billion dollars. Wow. Um, and that one was a huge, huge hit. So this one didn't make as much, but it was still like a very big hit. But it bears, um, it's worth noticing that Incredibles 2 made over a billion dollars. Maybe this is a stupid thing to say, but like, in turn, the first thing I thought when you said that Finding Nemo made more money than this, and I was like, like, I mean, I haven't seen Finding Nemo in a while. I'm sure it's still a banger, but I think this is better. And my first thought was, maybe since they're not humans of any particular denomination, and they're fish, or like monsters, or toys, that that becomes more marketable in other countries. But I don't know if like the China movie market was as important or hostile back then. Yeah. But speaking of what 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 once was history, this movie itself has a production history and I can get into it. The production I seem to have long. A, yeah, no. It is the longest we've had in a while. Yeah. Um, and then and, the I can fun, read and then it. and then just a cute little fun fact section for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the original concept for The Incredibles dates back to 1993 when Brad Bird sketched the family during an uncertain point in his film career. He had signed a production deal with Warner Brothers Feature Animation and was in the process of directing The Iron Giant. Have you seen The Iron Giant? Uh, hold, hold, hold. I was just going to ask you the same question. No, but I know it's so beloved. I saw it in Ready Player One, which is another uh, piece of intellectual property that well, people like. That's an interesting... It's like the end of all intellectual property. Yeah. Have you seen it? Um, Ready Player One, yes. Iron oh, Giant, well. no. Oh, um, we're on the same page. Um, but Ready Player One, <sighs> banger alert. The, the, um, the only bit of Shining I've ever experienced is through uh, Ready Player One. That's all oh, I well, need. that's good. That's, that's all good. I need, though. All right, so approaching... So while Brad Bird was uh, reaching middle age, he was um, pondering whether his career goals were going to be attainable at the price of his family life. Um, mm. Bird said consciously, this was just a funny movie about superheroes, but I think what was going on in my life definitely filtered into the movie. So after the Iron Giant failed at the box office, he, gravita- he gravitated towards uh, writing a superhero story. He imagined the film as an homage to 1960s comic books and spy films from his boyhood, uh, and he initially tried to develop the film as a 2D, traditionally animated film. Mm. Um, So after the release of The Iron Giant, he reconnected with John Lasseter, head of Pixar at the time, um, and also maybe not a cool guy. No, supposedly, yeah, apparently not. um, uh, In March 2000 and pitched the story idea of The Incredibles to him. Um, Bird and Lasseter knew each other from their college years at Cal Arts in the 1970s. And Trent, who was Brad Bird's college roommate? Was it, it Doug? Was it Doug Leffler from our Army of Darkness interview? Yeah, it, it just might have been. But you might have to go check out that interview to make sure. Wow, that's a that's a blast from the past. If I do it say really so is. myself. So did did, did um oh uh our our guest from last week, head of story Mark Andrews, also went to Cal Arts, no? 
He did. Um, but just not during the same, not during, yeah, like, he, the, 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 the same years like that. Because like, they yeah. were, like, the first year. Yeah, they, they were, were the like, first the class. Cool guys. Um, and then Mark Andrews was also a cool guy, but in a less but cool year. a slightly younger cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Lasseter liked Bird's pitch and invited Bird to come to Pixar, and the studio then announced a multi-film contract with Bird on May 4th, 2000. So The Incredibles was written and directed solely by Brad Bird, which is a departure from previous Pixar films, which usually had two to three directors and a bunch of screenwriters, um, which all worked for the company, uh, called the Pixar Brain Trust. Um, so Bird came to Pixar with the lineup of the f- story's family members worked out, a mom and a dad, both suffering through the dad's midlife crisis, a shy teenage girl, cocky 10-year-old boy, and a baby, and he based their powers based on family archetypes. Bird said, quote, the dad is always expected in the family to be strong, so I made him strong. The moms are always pulled in a million different directions, so I made her stretch like taffy. Teenagers, particularly teenage girls, are insecure and defensive, so I made her turn invisible and turn on shields. And 10-year-old boys are hyperactive energy balls. Babies are unrealized potential. I've watched this movie a million times, and I've never thought about it that way. But that, that really is nice and satisfying to hear. So Syndrome was originally written as a minor character who assaults Bob and Helen at the beginning of the film, only to die in an explosion that destroys the Parr's house. Um, But in this version, they they were named the Smiths. Mm. But he was made the main antagonist because the filmmakers liked him more than the character of Zarek, who was intended to fulfill that role. Don't know anything about Zarek. Mr. and Mrs. It could have been Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think, I don't, I, I wish we had asked more or i wish we asked a zarek related question during the interview because i truly have no idea where where that could have gone but um, he did talk about that yeah it was originally like was, a kaiser so say like who's the bad guy like, yeah plot. yeah yeah he said it was definitely heading in a different direction and then uh, you, you know he talked about repositioning the movie and it getting to the place yeah. it is now which i think is a very streamlined ship if i do say so myself so the snug character that Helen talks to on the phone in the film was originally intended to actually appear in the film uh, to No Man Is Land Island and to die, but was removed when John Lasseter suggested having Helen pilot the plane herself, which was a good note. Yeah, that guy is in the movie for it. it they make the phone call. Or it's it's they just it seems like he should be a bigger. It seems like his part did get cut out, you know, Yeah. just yeah. because of how weird that little moment is. And, and also, like, you don't like 100 percent need. I feel like they like say like snug, my guy. And it's no, like it, it's like we... it's like snug. I need to call in a favor. And then there's the framed picture to know that they have history but really that's all that's all you freaking need you don't need him to die and then this movie already i wish we had asked this question but i was like with the suicide at the beginning and there mr incredible throwing his boss through the wall i wanted to be like and like fucking choking him like yeah (laughs) picking him up and choking him i wish i had asked about if there were a lot of roadblocks and like having this be a pg film yeah yeah so Bird found working with CGI, quote, wonderfully malleable, as the camera was able to be adjusted and moved in ways that traditional 2D animation never could be. He found it also more difficult in some ways than working traditionally, as the software was not particularly sophisticated or friendly. Bird wrote the script without considering limitations um, with computer animation, and the result of this was the most complex film 
Pixar had ever made. Um, so like most computer animated films, the Pixar had a year-long period of building the film from the inside out, modeling the exterior, uh, and understanding controls that would work the face and the body articulation of the character before animation could even begin. Syndrome's design was based on Brad Bird himself, which if you look at Brad Bird talk, you can totally see. So humans are widely considered the most difficult thing to execute in animation, and they were tasked with making a film with only human characters for the first time. Um, they had so, avoided them very strategically up to this point. Yeah, I mean, you there's like glimpses in like Finding Nemo and the Toy Story films, but well, they in, did my, not in look my, good. In Monsters Inc., I was thinking about how the kid at the beginning of Monsters yeah, Inc. She's, looks good. Yeah, she's she's like um the closest you get, but um. Uh, oh, is that a girl person with the short hair at the beginning of Monsters Inc.? Maybe I'm crazy. No, I think it's a boy. No, but there's like the baby that like is oh, with them oh, the whole oh, movie. Oh, 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 oh! I, I know that, who you're talking about now, but uh, yeah, I thought you were talking what's about what's the girl's like, name in my oh boo 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 yeah. yeah 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 she she does look good but yeah the, all the all of the matching Andy faces in Toy Story is not good yeah, yeah. fun fact boo looks so much like uh, or looked so much like how my um, younger cousin looked at that age that m- my parents and her parents were like. Did they somehow get a photo of her because she had her hair done up exactly the same way? She looked very similar. Anyway, shout out Ira if any if you're listening. One also shout out the Walt Disney Company for apparently Parthia putting this big scandal out into the airwaves. Well, I'm not saying they did, but I'm just not but, saying. But that you're they didn't. C- certainly not saying that they're done. You've never seen Boo, the animated character, and Ira, your cousin, Ira, but Ira yeah. in the same room at the same time. That seems like definitive proof to me. Moving forward. So creating an all-human cast required creating new technology to animate detailed human anatomy, clothing, and realistic skin and hair. Although they had done some of this, as we said, in Monsters, Inc., the amount of hair and cloth required for The Incredibles had never been done uh, up to this point by Pixar. Uh, And to make this more difficult, Bird would not compromise on uh, certain animation things that he wanted for the sake of technical simplicity. For example, on Monsters, Inc., the director, Pete Docter, um, was persuaded to have pigtails on Boo as it would make animating her hair easier. But Bird said he would not allow this for Violet as she needed to have long hair that obscured her face and it was integral to her character arc. This made animating her very difficult. So supervising technical director Rick Sayre noted that the hardest thing about the film was that there was no hardest thing, as everything was the hardest thing. Um, because of this, they had to adopt Alpha Omega um, in terms of a hierarchical organizational strategy, where one team was concerned with building modeling, shading, and layout, while another dealt with final camera, lighting, and effects. Another team, dubbed the camera team, would digitally sculpt, rig, and shade all of the characters, while a simulation team was responsible for developing simulation technology for hair and clothing. There were at least 781 visual effects shots in the film, and they were quite often visual gags, such as the window shattering when Bob angrily shuts the car door, and additionally, the effects team improved their modeling of clouds using volumetric rendering for the first time. How, what does a VFX shot mean within a fully animated film? Isn't everything well, what, VFX? Well, what I, as I understand it, when you are, there's a difference between animating and simulating. So when you have an explosion, you have like a formula within the computer and it simulates that explosion. The animator does not create that. 
versus if the if the the like Mr. Incredible is moving an animator has animated all of those um things versus like if uh, a window breaks you might have a simulation of a window breaking so i i assume that's what that means okay um so bird insisted that storyboards sorry mm-hmm. had a story mark andrews we interviewed him yeah. anyways o- over three parts great interview yeah he insisted that storyboards define the blocking of characters motions lighting and camera movements which had previously been left to other departments rather than storyboarded on other pixar films bird admits that he quote had the knees of the studio trembling under the weight of the incredibles he also said quote Basically, I came into a wonderful studio, frightened a lot of people with how many presents I wanted for Christmas, and then got everything I wanted. Nice. Did he only have the sauce of Iron Giant under his belt when? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, uh, for feature film, I mean, he'd worked a lot in. I mean, he he worked on The Simpsons a lot. Um, mm. He he had worked a lot of on a lot of other stuff, but just not in feature filmmaking. Parth, I'm just finding out that The Incredibles is the first Pixar film to be scored by Michael Giacchino, and that's absolutely shocking to me. Yeah. yeah. I was, well, I, this I, is not only the first Pixar film to be scored by Michael Giacchino, this is the first film to be scored by Michael Giacchino. This is his first movie. I, I was only just introduced to him through The Batman, but this is a score that I like a lot as well. Michael Giacchino is bum, one of bum, my favorite. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. No, literally. Um, he's one of my favorite working composers. I think he's almost at the level of being like a Zimmer type where he works on too many projects. And so a lot of his scores sound the same. Yeah. But every now and then you get a Batman or a War for the Planet of the Apes or something like that. Isn't he like very young and has like a lot or I don't know. If Not he's anymore. He, no. He's like 50 now or something. Oh, but still, but, I feel like as far as composers go, that feels still feels like there's a lot of uh, a road ahead. For yeah. for more good scores, you know. So Jacquino was hired after John Barry turned the film down as he did not wish to replicate uh, his work on the Bond films. Um, once he turned it down, the assignment was then given to Jacquino, who was n- no, was he working on Lost at this point? I don't remember, but he had done a bunch of video games. I know that. Um, anyways, the film was released theatrically in the United States on November fifth, two thousand four. And in theaters, it was accompanied by the short film Bounden, which Trent, have you seen? No, of all, I'm sh- maybe if you showed me a picture, I, I think might you've remember. seen it. But, uh, yeah, let me look it up as you keep talking. I have memories of a lot of um, the of the little shorts, and I like a lot of them. Uh, oh no, yeah, I see. I have a faint yeah. memory of this sheep guy. Yeah. Did you own The Incredibles on DVD? Oh, uh, yeah. I, it's hard. I can't imagine I didn't. Is what I'll say. Um, but the last thing I have to say is that the theatrical release also included a sneak peek for Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. And if people make like a podcast episode about Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, they would be listening to the right podcast because we've covered that already. And who would they be listening to on our discussion for Star Wars Episode Three? Trent? All right, you're making me Jimmy Neutron brain blast. Uh, let me uh, the. We respect them. Well, I mean, we respect all of our guests. Um, But, like, you know. Oh, are you talking about, uh, well, our interview with first assistant camera person, Matt Toll? Oh, I was talking about our discussion, but that Uh, is also... (laughs) Well, I... I, I, 
Oh my gosh, wow, I can entirely wipe this from my brain. Yeah. Well, not, not, wow. But we had the Eye of the Duck team on to discuss yes, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Wow, we what did. a crazy time. I was in Utah. And it, we, I, I, Were wow. you still in Utah? Yeah, it was one of my last ones before I retired. Wow, that puts everything into perspective. Um, but I, I don't, I have, uh, very solid memories of, you know, the, Di- or the Pixar short of, like, the guy playing chess? Yeah, that's yeah, one the of the old, first the, ones. Yeah, the yeah. old man who's then the old guy reposited in Toy Story 2, yeah. who, like, as like the, the fixes toy, yeah, yeah. And then I remember it was, uh, like, before Finding Dory, there was, like, one with, like, the birds on the beach, and they, like, chase after the water, you remember that? Yeah, it was a good one, too. Um, Trent. Parth. I'm in a fun mood. Oh, I, I thought you were sleepy last time I checked. Oh, wait, I but I see what you're doing. It, do Would you like some facts to support I would. the fun? Only if they're fun facts, though. Uh, you are the one who selected these facts from IMDb Trivia, so what? their funness has been entirely determined by you. Um so Lily Tomlin was considered for the part of Edna Mode, but turned it down when she got, when she heard Brad Bird's vocal performance saying, what do you need me for? You got it already. Um, Brad Bird famously performs the part of Edna Mode. Edna Mode. Edna End Mode. Um, no capes! Uh, Jason Lee, uh, Buddy slash Syndrome, recorded his vocals in four days, while Craig T. Nelson, Bob Parr slash Mr. Incredible, recorded his vocals over the span of two years. That's, that's a crazy fact. Right. It's crazy that Jason Lee, who I associate with being in Kevin Smith movies, is the, uh, villain in this very mainstream animated film. Yeah. Uh, but he's great. He's so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, usually, I feel like the whole like casting celebrities in voiceover roles or voice actor roles, it's like okay, they just sound like them talking. But like um, this, I feel like getting act- the actors they chose for this movie, like everybody's so well cast. I don't know what the kid actors look like, but I, and obviously I know it's intentional, but like the likeness between yeah, Craig, Craig T. Nelson, T. Nelson and, and Mr. Incredible, Incredible and also like Holly Hunter, is that her name? And, yes, yeah. and Elastigirl. Um, yeah, I, both of them seem, it seems very intentional. I don't know what the kids look like, but that might be. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, you want more? Yes, please. Uh, in order to give Dash a realistic, out-of-breath voice, Brad Bird made Spencer Fox, oh, exactly who we're talking about, run laps around the studio before recording his lines. That, it, Parth, you know, if, if your character's supposed to be psyched up in a scene, doing doing ten jumping jacks before could really get you in the right mindset. I learned that in class, mm. in, acting, in acting class. It's kind of true, though. Spencer Fox seems to think so. During development, villain Bom Voyage was named Bom Perignon. The famous champagne maker would not provide legal rights for the use of the name, however, so the name was changed. Bom Voyages, I don't know, I don't understand the joke of Bom Perignon because I don't care about champagne, but Bom Voyage is awesome. Yeah, Bom, bom Voyage is way better. Monsieur Incredible. Um, that's how French people sound. Monsieur Incredible. Yeah, see, you do it better than I do. Um, writer and director Brad Bird's son, Nicholas, is the voice for the little boy on the tricycle, who also voiced Squirt the Baby Turtle in Finding Nemo. Um, the code 
title or the yeah the code title for this film used during production was tights um jack jack's real name is john jackson although it's never said anywhere in the film and in the whole movie you can see 35 explosions 189 buttons being pressed and approximately 640 gunshots 640 gunshots is crazy for a a pixar film is uh, especially like this this is a studio that made like like the last movie they made was like talking monsters you know especially the movie opening on like the guy with the tommy gun like pointing out the moving car and like a very real crime like like this the attempted suicide is like i think that's the craziest thing because i feel like violence is always shown a little bit to kids it's like it's a little crazy but it's yeah but it's not that crazy but an attempted suicide, and, and a and then, movie and then, starting with an attempted suicide that is foiled, and, and then, then in the in the newsreel he goes, "You didn't, you didn't save my life. You ruined my death." Is <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, it it really is. Imagine, I don't know. I don't think stuff like that is like in the Good Dinosaur or anything. No, it is not. No, it, not not in my. And mind. while I love that stuff, some people. And, and, oh, I see where you're going. I was just going to say they have 189 buttons being pressed, which reminds me of, like, uh, you know, uh, like the David Fincher insert of, like, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of, of light switches being flicked. Yeah. That, uh, that, uh, there must have been a lot of those. But very fast for me to register approximately zero of them. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess with, like, the remote at the end, they're pu- and, and Syndrome is pushing buttons yeah. a lot. Okay. And I, I wonder very if they're counting. Very button-oriented film. I wonder oh, if they're the counting. Typing? Yeah. Oh well, now we're getting now we're getting anal. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, interesting word choice. Hmm. Um. So can I read the you first one? Star review. Yes, please. So this one's by Mary Z, and she's uh, it's titled "Wrong Format," and it says, "I was sent an international format and can't play it on my DVD Blu-ray player. Ended up with a very disappointed three-year-old on her birthday." Parth. You can relate in the way that you have a distinct memory of viewing this movie when it came out when you were three years old. I think now might be that the time. That is true. Yes, but I actually got to watch it um, as opposed yes. to this upset three-year-old child. Yes. Uh, I, but, but This you was also a- bought, it says yeah. it was reviewed November 12th, 2022. And they say that it ended up with a very disappointed three-year-old on her birthday. Why didn't you just rent it on streaming? Yes. It's like $3. That- and like, espe- like especially- I would rather spend three dollars than disappoint my three-year-old child. Like I, I think the only justification is that they didn't have streaming available, or not streaming, but any way or any sort of on-demand service. How are and you giving for- this review? I, if it, yeah, if it's life or death like that, and it's their birthday, and they're in tears, pull it up on your laptop, right, or, so- or something. Uh, it's twenty. It's November twenty twelve, lady. There are solutions. <sighs> Um, if 2022, imagine if I invited you over and I was like, we're going to watch, we're going to watch evil dead two tonight. And you're seeing, you're super excited. And then you get here and I put the DVD in and it's scratch and it's skipping. We're, I'm not just going to be like, go home Parth. If we really want to watch it, we're going to, we're going to bite the bullet. We're going to rent the $4 and then yeah. we're going to watch a 1080p YouTube cut. Yeah. Yeah. This woman, Mary Z, is that her name? Yeah. It sounds like a code name. Uh, but tell me what Michelle Hogan... Wow, this sounds... That's what I was about to say. It sounds say. like a Michelle bad word. Ho- Whoa. 
Mm-hmm. Tread lightly. Okay, it's H O E N I G E S. So I'm just gonna that's it's Michelle H O E N I G E S. Not gonna say that. Um. Anyways, her. Wow, I really can't get over that last name. Um, her title is. It's horrible... like ho- Hognigs. 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 We'll say. Yeah, that. yeah. We met Anyways. somewhere in the middle. Horrible product. Scratched bad! Two exclamation points. This product does not work. It is very scratched bad. Three it exclamation is... marks. Barth, it is very scratched bad. Yeah. It's but not I... very scratched. It's not no. scratched bad. It's It's not even very scratched badly. It's, it's this, very scratched bad. It's this product does not work. It very scratched bad. Yeah. So this next one is by Kathy. <laughs> and it says, "Who ordered this?" Three how question mark. How, yeah, I was going to ask how many. Uh she says, she "Verified purchase." Well, that's ironic given what she's about to say. It says, "I did not order this movie. Who ordered it?" <laughs> <laughs> I like how she's not like like it seems like she's asking a genuine question. She's like, not what? she's not like this was an error or like the machine yeah. did this. She's like what individual has brought us to this point? What so um I love searching for the one star reviews because so many people say the exact same things. Yeah. And with yeah. movies like this cuz sometimes we'll cover like fucking Mandy which has like four one star reviews and we have to choose from those. Where yeah. the movie like this there's so many options. people and yeah. so you have so much more. And I kept passing by people that were like, my daughter bought this by accident. Great movie. I just don't want to own this. Can we fix this? Yeah. yeah and there's yeah. a bunch of those. And, I, and then I got to fucking Kathy. She <laughs> has no idea <laughs> who, who ordered this. Or what, or, or what ordered it. But if it, a living creature is out there who ordered it, she wants to know. Yeah. And, and the funniest thing about it, Parth, it was a verified purchase. Says it right there in big bold orange letters. We should mark it as helpful and move forward. You know what would be helpful to the humble listener though? Talking about what worked and what didn't work in the film. And also just other baseline incredible thoughts for 20 to 25 minutes. I would think so. Cool. Um, Where do you want to start? I, Parth, I have a question for you before we talk about The Incredibles, strangely enough. Mm. What are your thoughts on the Incredibles two? Like saving wow. room, saving room for a potential Incredibles two conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I haven't revisited the second Incredibles in a long time, like probably like two, three years, something like that. Um, I remember leaving the theater happy, but I was like, well, it's not as good as the first one. Yeah, yeah, and. Easy, com- li- easy comment to make, yeah. Over time, I became a little bit more disappointed with it. Um, because, which I guess will factor into what is working with this first movie, which is the second movie felt a little bit more like a Saturday morning cartoon. And this feels like real shit. Like, this feels like the drama, like the stakes, like everything is like, high and the second movie feels more relaxed in a way that i think is a detriment to it that's interesting i think the first thing that comes to mind when i think of the a flaw or the 
the the first uh, the something I admire is picking up exactly where it left off with the underminer. Yeah, and I love the the next day concept of that, and them following through with that promise. And then I think they lose me with like uh, who ends up being the villain twist and all of the ship full of superheroes who I don't really care about who we're supposed to care about. Uh, but well, I, I mean, love I love the Parr family. I love I, as we'll get into in this movie. I love family, <clears throat> and, and so do I they. guess the thing that I to route us into Incredibles discussion rather than Incredibles two discussion. The thing that works so well about this movie is this is maybe one of the best written scripts of all time. It feel I mean I said it was streamlined before, but uh, I feel like if someone put this like i don't i i think of back to the future when people say perfect screenplays where it's like each line is either referenced later or moves the script forward in some yeah. or builds character it, and this feels the same exactly th- th- it is exactly the same it is so every scene builds to the next scene um if there's a setup it will be paid off and the payoff will be good um it i don't I mean, I guess I don't want to speak for you. I don't think I have anything for what's not working, except for one thing. Oh. Um, which is some of the animation looks dated. Oh, uh, anything in particular? I only caught one. I thought the pool in Edna Mode's house, it like caught the corner of my eye today, and I was like, that looks like weird water. Um, there's some There's some shots where it's not even like anything is wrong, perhaps, but where it's just like, I can tell the weirdness of some animation where like characters are moving and I'm like, well, that's not, that's not how it would look if it were done by Pixar today. But I, 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 I can say though, I like, I feel like the human design in this is like more imperfect and less like everyone is like bulbous. Yes. And I like like how ugly like the math teacher is and like the boss. Well, and I, yeah. I think that I think the humans look awesome compared to like the inside out humans. Well, or, the thing is that's or, particular yeah. about this movie and all of Brad Bird's movies, honestly, like three D animated films, is that they are two D characters that have been rendered into three D models. So like the the design of each character is so distinct. Um, in a way that I think other Pixar movies have more of a stock look to them. And I, I think that like the overall design of the movie is one of the best things about it on the whole. Um, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, so I guess take this with a grain of salt, be very frustrated by the fact that you cannot tell what time this is supposed to take place in, given that everything looks kind of like it's in the 1960s, but there's computers and things like that, so that doesn't really hold up. But that's one of my favorite things about the film, is this weird, like no real time period, no real place world that it exi- that it creates? Yeah, today when I noticed that Bob was like taking the plane to the island, and it seemed very tropical, and I was like, they're in a very like urban space. I was like, where is this? But then I was like, see, they they don't have to comment, and so therefore I don't care, and it doesn't matter, and it's no. just and also I. I, I'm not on Twitter, so maybe I'm not angry about the same things. But like, who cares if you can't tell what time? Yeah, well, I mean, that's is? how I feel. That it's it's very intentional that it yeah, is not and, meant to be 
like known. And I mean, there are computers, so clearly, you know, I mean, they talk about like the 50s, like it's the flashback, like that's when uh, they were like young and active. So, I mean, you can assume it's like 20 years later or something. So just like do the math, people. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, before we get fully into what's working, is there anything you have in what's not working? Because I, other than what I mentioned, I don't think I have anything else. No, I was kind of just watching it, noting little bits of praise I wanted to give it. Yeah. Um, and the water thing uh, that I mentioned was the was my one was my one bit, at least nice. so far that I can think of as we speak. So I guess let's just praise the fuck out of this movie for another ten fifteen minutes, huh? But where to begin? Can I? Uh, oh, I know exactly where to begin. How effective of a way to com- convey narrative information than the newsreel moving from, like, the prelude into the body of the movie? Well, that whole, like, opening section Ugh, it, it's is like, it's, so good It's like it's setting like the, everything up. It's like the opening of The Dark Knight, where it's it, it just like, you can turn it on and the movie starts immediately, and then it's hard to turn the rest of the movie off. Yeah. Or with, like, that cold open, you know, heist or mission sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's so good at setting up the world, the characters, um, and again, everything fits. And and setting up Syndrome, because you, like, it gives you the perfect amount of time to, like, forget about him, and then it's like, oh, this is the only unresolved piece. Of course it has to come back. Yeah. And, And otherwise, the villain would be like, you know, like a stock bomb voyage person, but it being based in the past. I know it's basic fucking storytelling, but it uh, e- even at that, it feels so satisfying. And um, the thing that kind of strikes me about this movie, as I guess I get older, is that the st- it's shocking to me, <laughs> kind of, um, in some ways, that this movie is such a hit with kids. Because of the like adult the ma- themes, well, like the majority of the movie is like marital problems. Yep. <laughs> like, like it's so bizarre. And ha- that, Hel- like, that Helen, is... Helen thinks that he's cheating on her with and, and a, like w- with a skinny woman with gray hair. And usually that is like subtext or like yeah, yeah. oh that's like a little in joke for the no, adults. But here it textual. is. It is in the text. It is out there. She sees like. A the strand hair. of hair. She well, and, and thinks here's that. the partial phone calls, and it's very selective of what she's hearing. And like the adults are treated as like sexual beings. Like you see, I like, know during like the, it's getting better flashback. You know, she's like, yeah. you know, with the I, I love the I, I love and, it. And like uh, Bob, like he's like going through his midlife crisis. He's fucking lifting trucks or whatever. And then like. Helen and him like pinch each other's asses. I know. And then it's good stuff. They um Helen looks at herself in the mirror. I know it's it's a famous shot. I I yeah. I, I, I while watching the movie this time I thought in what at some meeting they had to discuss this exact moment and I wonder what was said yeah. about why exactly Well it- somebody had to decide how <laughs> that looked. You know what I mean? And that, and that had to be, there were notes given on how that looked. Um, but this is a very sexual movie. Um, yeah, 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 yes it is. There's, there's so much of this movie that feels 
That's why when people, and I guess we'll get into this later, but when people talk, oh, what's your favorite Pixar movie, Ratatouille, you know, Toy Story 2, blah, blah, blah. These are all good movies. But isn't The Incredibles, like, the only one that you can, like, really watch as an adult and, like, enjoy with a straight face? No, I mean, well, I, not enjoy. I just watched Coco the other day, and it was awesome and uh, almost made me cry. But this is different. What, what I'll say is this, is that I understand that people choosing other movies as their favorite because there's... This is maybe not the most, like, this isn't going to get you to cry, this one. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the first 10 minutes of Up. It's not Toy Story 2 or 3. You know what I mean? It's not one of those movies. At the same time, I do think that all of those movies are kids' movies. And pretty solidly kids' movies. And while this isn't not for a younger audience, it is is. for younger kids. Like, I'm not going to pretend this is is for fucking adults, man. It's just straddling the line incredibly well. It has way more stuff in it that that includes stuff that I'm interested in now as a 22-year-old than, you know, fucking cars or whatever. You know what I mean? I I don't want to be this guy. I don't. Because Incredibles 2 is still good and touches some of the same stuff. But, como se dice, it's certainly catering to the ideas of, like, the Super Mario movie, like, let's make this okay for really young kids sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I... Saying obviously that not is to the that, same yeah, but I, Obviously not to the same level, obviously. But I, I, what, else I, what I would also say that um, Incredibles 2 is kind of given a bad hand by this movie because... Because it's so hard to follow. Everything about this movie is designed for this movie, if that yeah. makes sense, where... Everybody's Where it, like arc wraps up. Yeah. Is is perfectly done um for this movie. Isn't it amazing in the last scene, like Dash gets to win second place of the race, Violet gets asked out by the boy, and I'm like, just one nice thing happens to everyone, and that's yeah. how you fucking end a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh, again, like the stuff between Helen and Bob is legitimately really, really good. Their argument with each other about I like it when uh, her neck stretches yeah. out. Oh, it's yeah. good. Yeah. But like that that it feels like a real argument. I mean, not an obviously an exactly real argument I've seen my parents have, but like like an the the way they're talking with each other, the kind of dialogue that they have with each other feels so real. And um what this okay, to go back to why this movie I think is special from other Pixar movies is we talked about it in a little bit in our production history is this is a singular voice as opposed to other Pixar movies which are kind of almost Monty Python esque like everybody's working on it and everybody gives ideas and that's great but what's great about this is this feels like it really feels like what one man <laughs> wanted to make and. It's so, everything is sort of tuned into Brad Bird's idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies? That's what I'm saying, yeah. I feel like Brad Bird is big on animation, like, not being a genre, is that what they say? Yeah. And that he, just as an adult man, is, like, mature, or is, like, making, maturing the material to his sensibilities. And that your singular vision is supporting that. 
or the, that uh, the end product of that. Um, but I have two notes that I wanted to get out of the way. You ready for them? Yeah, please. Isn't it crazy that this and Spider-Man 2 both came out in the same year and they both feature a stopping the train scene? Like, okay. very similar. I am glad you mentioned this because as a kid, that was always something that happened in my mind. Which is that they both like do this Jesus like pose yep, to stop yep. the train. Well, Mr. Connell's and... is like opposite Jesus. But yeah. Because his face is like pressed against the Oh train, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Toby but they is both, like the other way. They both the trains like go off of yep, yep, the rail yep. a little bit and they like hang and off hang. of it. Exactly. Yeah, that that's I guess what I meant more. Um and that yes, so, that is so something that was always tr- on my mind. Are you saying in your childhood mind this must just have happened in like all the time? Because in those two formative movies this happened? Well, whenever that happens in those movies, like these two movies are linked together because of that. To well, me. They they came out the same year. It's so crazy. Yeah. Uh your other note? The other note. Oh, it this is a less important one and a less founded one. But I know that one of the Fantastic Four movies was criticized because apparently like their third act like copies like note like note for note the third act of this film or like the fighting in the street because Mr. Inc- Mr. Fantastic like copies a bunch of Elastigirl's moves and like throwing like the sewer grate thing and all that stuff. The the Fantastic Four films, all of them, any of them, are all not good, very bad, and I don't remember which one. I think it's the first one with the human or where the human torch is uh, is uh, what's his name? Flame yeah. on Chris Evans. Yeah, it's Chris Evans. So that generation before like Miles Teller, which was later and weirder and worse. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, this is I mean, everybody ever has made this joke, but this is the only good Fantastic Four film. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, I have a, a, a positive note on the film to get us back on track. Please. Um, it's nice and feels relatable that the kids at the beginning have, like, a pretty normal standard relationship with their parents where they're, like, annoyed that they are preventing them from doing things. And then by the end of the movie, they see that their parents are superheroes and that they're awesome and they make a really good team when they all work together and that they are cool and they were real people before them. And Dash lays down in the car and he says, I love my family. And it's yeah. just like really cute and cool. Nice, good stuff. Yeah. And then you like think the movie ends and like it could have end- ended. And then you go back to the house and there's like the PS syndrome and Jack Jack stuff where syndrome is trying to steal their human baby. Well, I, I know that's another just like dark thing on top of all the other dark stuff. Wait, and while we're talking about dark stuff, the way he gets killed. I, yep. Yeah, I. I think I was thinking while watching it, like, how are they going to do this in a way that, like, isn't that bad? And they didn't. They just, like, did it. And then they just way. did the bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, do like, you think no- Mark Andrews boarded that and was like, oh, fuck yeah, man. Oh, gosh. I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, no capes, Parth. No capes. Um, yeah. I don't know. I. This movie, I feel like everybody kind of agrees that it's great. Um, it's incredible. It it's is incredible. definitely m- m- nice. Um, it's definitely my favorite Pixar film. It might be my favorite animated film of all time. 
Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think that I truly think that the script is one of the best scripts ever written. Um, cause I don't know, like, this is like, I, I remember thinking about this when I was in high school is that this movie is so many different genres. It's mm. like a marriage, yep. like uh, drama. It's a coming of age drama with like the kids. It's like a spy, um, a spy movie. It's a, a spy movie. It's a superhero movie. Yep. Um, I mean, it's very funny. I guess I wouldn't call it a comedy, but it's very comedic. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, it's like one of the funniest movies um, that I like. Um, it's so it's easy so to watch. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like everything is sort of firing on all cylinders, and uh, we talked about them a little bit. But the score is so good. Yeah, I feel like every episode we have. I have, like, in the back of my mind, like, remember to compliment the score. And this time, I won't forget to compliment it, because this score is awesome. Yes. Um, and when I was a little kid, I would say, hey, that sounds a lot like the Mission Impossible theme. And then guess what Michael Giacchino scored after this? Wow. That must have been a roller co- the, 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 you, I So, how which Mission Impossible movies did he do the score for? He did three and four, and three came out in 2006. So, so, it's, so do you uniquely yeah. like, are those scores really good compared to the other ones? Um, I wouldn't say they're good, like, and the other ones aren't. But, like, they they definitely sound like Michael Giacchino scores. Um, and so they're particular in that way. Um, but all the mission scores are Are the are new good. ones done by anyone I've heard of? Um, Lorne Balfe. I don't mm. know if you know him. Um... The first movie was done by Danny Elfman. Oh, wow. Second was Hans Zimmer. Wow. Third and fourth, Michael Giacchino, and then the others you wouldn't know. Got it. Is it time for the ratings gauntlet? Um, Trent. Parth. What would you... Would you recommend this... I mean, I feel like we know the answer to all of this stuff, but would you recommend this? Would you rewatch this? Uh, would you show this to your... Would, would your mom like it? And um, what would you rate it out of 10? I think the answer is all, like, easy yeses. And then I was thinking, am I going to give this a 9 or am I going to give it a 10? And the thing is, Parth, I'm going to give it a 10. Trent, um, we are in complete agreement on all accounts. Um, This is, I think, a perfect film. When I was, I mean, we talked about me living in Utah, and that feels like a forever long, depressed uh, time ago. And uh, having access to th- this movie and Seven and The Dark Knight and like oh through my thing f- yes through your iTunes account watching all of those movies and uh, especially because they all start so quickly um, mm. that being their unifying factor but The Incredibles being the one of those movies that obviously has the lightest tone compared right. to yeah so uh, I watched it a lot. And, uh, but still rewatching it still feels like a new thing every time. I love it when, when Mr. Incredible throws the football for Dash and then later he throws the remote and he runs on water and then he like realizes he can do that. You're checking a text right now and that's okay. And the episode's ending slowly, but it's all good stuff. It's all there. Oh, want to know what I'll say? Yeah, you know uh, Tony Berenger, the girl that the guy yeah. that he looks so different in the next movie. They did like a complete redesign. It's so crazy. 
Like, it's because the animation aged. But, but everybody made... else looks the same. Exactly the same. So, you know. Is that a wrap on our incredible month? No capes! Yeah, yeah, that's a wrap on our incredible month. Yeah. What's um, next? How interesting. It's gonna be a party! It's interesting that party is the word you use to describe what's next. Because... We're having a fiesta this evening. We are... Well, yes. Um, if you're listening to this it's on Sunday, you uh, missed it's an incredible late. party the night Hopefully. before. Yep. Um, but you can always revisit mm. a crazy, incredible party incredible. when you rewatch Babylon. Yeah. Um, that's right. We are covering Babylon with sound mixer Stephen Morrow. Um, what a great interview. It was yes. really fun. It's going to be a two-parter. Two-parter. Yeah, Easter something awesome. Then we'll discuss it. It'll be a party. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can look forward to that, part one of that interview tomorrow. Or, I mean, next week. Um, unless you're listening on Saturday. Um, yeah. And so, but, but Trent, where could they listen to that? Interview? So you're going to want to listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then you're going to want to go on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you do your social media-ing. Like, follow, comment, talk, communicate with us. Oh, and if you're on one of the streaming platforms I mentioned, leave a review, five stars, that'd be appreciated. It uh, helps make the world go around. That you know? it does. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I have to clean the house now. All right, we will you have see nappy you guys time. next week. I will probably just go straight into editing this. Yeah? Yeah, I'll probably be fine. It's two. all for the pod. It's all for you guys. See you next week. Nice.